Good evening, Soma. Aha. It's so good to see everyone here. If you guys can stand with me, I'm going to do the scripture reading, which is Luke 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with him whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Well, no pun intended, but wasn't that a sweet song? Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, let's give, uh, let's give her a hand. So that's from Carrie Underwood, uh, country superstar. She has a new Christmas record this year called uh, My Gift. And I was watching an interview with her about um, her album and, and the song, and it was great. She said this. She said, it's a simple song about a baby who would one day die to save the world. A pretty straightforward, pretty clear song. And that's Christmas, church. That's the meaning of Christmas. Sweet baby Jesus, come down to love us, to lie in a manger, to die on a cross. And this afternoon, I want us to reflect just for a few minutes together on this, what I'm calling sweetness of Christmas. My, my sermon today is the sweet words of Christmas. Now, there's an absolute bigness and depth to Christmas, the theology behind the incarnation. We talked a little bit about that last week, uh, God in the flesh. Um, it's, it's vast, and yet, sweet baby Jesus 
right? We, we get that, and, we, and that's definitely part of Christmas as well. One, one writer put it like this, the wonder of the incarnation, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, right? Those big omni words of God become a baby. And, you know, sometimes we can, you know, like a pendulum that swings, we can, we can be forgetting all about sweet baby Jesus and the God-man and the depth, and it's all just the hustle and bustle, and have you finished the shopping, and you got the menu figured out, and oh, what are we doing this year because the pandemic, we can't, and people, and you know, all of that, so it can swing too far. But then we can also neglect those things. That, that ought to be part of Christmas. I was listening to one uh, podcaster I like this week talk about there is um, a sentimentality to Christmas that we don't want to lose. There's, there is a sweetness to it. The smells and the funny sweaters like some of us are wearing uh, you know, tonight and, and those kinds of things. Um, the trees. And by the way, we, uh, thanks to Dwayne, we got our Christmas tree here in one piece. Um, amongst the other beautiful ones as well, but um, our Soma family tree is there. And um, before I forget to say it, feel free tonight, if you brought an ornament over the last few weeks, you can grab your ornament tonight and, and take it home and replace it on your, your tree at home. Uh, but um, there is that sweetness, that sentimentality to Christmas. But again, the wonder, the omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God became a baby. So all of it, there's a sweetness in how the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came and became a sweet little baby. And then there's mystery involved. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.16, I love this, great indeed we confess, that is like we declare, is the mystery of godliness. And the first thing he says, he was manifested in the flesh. Or the NIV puts it like this, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body. (laughs) The mystery, the wonder, God appeared in a body. And not just a body, but, but a baby, but a baby. So wonderful, so wonderful. So this afternoon, I want us to spend our time looking at what I'm calling, as I said, the sweet words of Christmas that are found in what the angel said to the shepherds. And so we heard Andrea already read for us Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Uh, I'm going to zero in on verses 8 to 10 for for the message tonight. But if you have a Bible, if you can open or swipe to it, it'd be great for you to see these sweet words of of Christmas found here in in this message. So again, just for context, Luke 2, 1 to 6, or rather 1 to 7, are about Mary and Joseph arriving in Bethlehem. They had to leave Nazareth because there was a census and God was using ordinary human things, right? Rulers decreeing censuses to get them to Bethlehem because, of course, that's what was prophesied, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. So they get there. And and the way Luke puts it, a little different than Matthew, is kind of rather simple. Um, She gave birth to her son and laid him in the manger and so forth. Rather simple. But then... Verses 8 to 10 pick up where I want us to zero in. So follow along as I read Luke 2, verses 8 to 10, just once more. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. So that's, that's what's going on right near where Mary and Joseph and sweet baby Jesus were in the same region. There's these shepherds doing their thing, taking care of their flock. And all of a sudden, this angel appears. The glory of God surrounds this angel. And like everyone in the Bible who encounters an angel, they're terrified, they're afraid. It's not quite like touched by an angel, if you remember that show, okay, from when we were a lot younger. Um, probably not like that. Uh, they were afraid. And so this angel says, fear not, fear not. And so that leads me then right away to, to talk about um, what we're going to see, a total of six, six-point sermon, but don't worry, we won't be here uh, too long. Six, six things, six sweet words of Christmas. So the angel says in verse 10, the angel actually commands the shepherds, fear not, like don't be afraid, although they are, and we would be too. And there's a reason now that the angel is going to give for them to not be afraid. And, and I want to actually pause right here for a minute. These sweet words of Christmas that the angels get to hear first, these are words for us too. God in his wisdom recorded, chose, chose to have this be recorded, what they heard, and they, they were afraid literally because of angel, the, the angel there. But the message is relevant for us. Because let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves for a minute. If, if we're struggling with that, we, we get afraid. And, and this year especially has been a year of lots of fears. And it's still happening. I mean, I, I feel like I was reflecting just a couple weeks ago how, you know, nine months ago in March, okay, this, this coronavirus we started to hear about at the end of last year and into the beginning of the year, okay, it's, yeah, it's, wow, okay. So life's shutting down in all that stuff, right? We go into our first shelter in place, us here in Sonoma County and figuring it out. And okay, but surely summer, you know, we will have figured this out and well, fall and now it's winter. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I know more and more people that are getting COVID. And yeah, I know some don't have any symptoms. Some have lots of symptoms. There's the whole spectrum of it. But it's scary. And if, if you have a hard time saying that, that's okay. It's scary. It is. And then there's all the other things, the ripples. I, I've mentioned that several times. Okay, even if the virus, okay, and you, that doesn't cause you any fear, but it's affecting everything. I mean, the businesses. One of the reasons it was great to bring our friends from Crooks out is they're trying to have a coffee shop, but it's pretty limited right now. You can't go inside a coffee shop. So if, to give them some business and to try to give them, you know, an opportunity to do things, right? The restaurants are struggling and, and some of you are struggling and figuring out and, and right? that's just like economics and there's, right, kids, school, distance learning, all of that. And parents, right, it's, it's been a challenging year. There's a pastor I, I follow on Twitter he wrote this two days ago, and this hit me. Maybe you won't relate to this. That's okay. But this hit me as a pastor. He said, COVID is really hard. People in hospitals that I can't lay hands on. Funerals we can't plan or attend. 
nor can we gather in person to lament and hold each other. There is a kind of grief that is almost too much. I, I think we can all feel that in varying degrees. And I'm so thankful that as a church, we've been gathering for six months and we're continuing to. And I'd much rather be nomadic and shift around and meet than, than just go back to doing a virtual digital thing. I know virtual is real, like it's, we're, we're interacting. I don't mean virtual like it's fake, but I'd rather do this and figure it out and space and, you know, like, I, I think it's better, but it's still hard. It's not the same, right? It's not the same. So whether you would say I'm terrified of COVID and everything or I'm nothing, we're all somewhere in here. And even if it's not that, there's just other things, the real things of life that bring stress and pain and hurt and fear into us. Anytime God says, fear not, we need to listen to what he has to say. And at Christmas time, these sweet words, they, they had something to say for the shepherds, yes, but I pray they will speak to you. Okay, so here we go. We need these sweet words of Christmas. So the angel has six things about uh, why they are to fear not, and we need to hear these six things as well. Let's begin in verse 10. Verse 10 has the first three, verse 11 has the second three. So if you're doing math, three plus three, two verses, two times three is six, three plus three is six. That's, uh, that's the sermon. Here we go. Luke chapter two, verse 10. The angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news. Start right there. That is the first thing we get from the angel. The first sweet words, I'm bringing you good news. This is that, that word, that, that Jesus word, that Bible word, gospel. Right here, we get the angel saying, I'm bringing you gospel. Gospel means good news. It's the verbal form of this word. And, and we, we get the word evangel or evangelism, evangelical. Right? Nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with gospel, good news. We are to be people of good news because good news has come. Not good suggestions, not good advice, not good therapy insights. That could all be fine. The angel says, I've got news. It's gospel. It's good news. I, I have right here in my sermon, which I finished writing this morning, early this morning, uh, that hopefully I was going to get to say, like, good news, the 49ers beat the Cowboys. I don't have that good news to tell you. But, right, that's news. That would have been good news. Okay, no, uh, you, we get the idea about news. For those shepherds, what happened nearby, this baby being born, was gospel, was good news. But the messenger's not done. And by the way, I'm no angel, right? My family could tell you, right? I'm not, but an angel is just a messenger. Literally, that's what the word means. To be an angel is to be a messenger. And so... Again, hear this. This angel is giving a message to the shepherds. It's a message for us. So let me continue as a messenger to, tonight. The next thing the angel says, not only fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, but, but the angel says it's good news of great joy. Great joy. I love this. In Greek, it's mega joy. The Greek word for great is mega. I love that. Mega joy. Uh, I kept thinking about how when I was a kid, uh, we used to say things like, if something was good, we'd call it bad. 
dude, that's bad. And then some people, when, we used to, I, when I went to school in Southern California, I found myself sometimes saying, oh, that's heck bad. And people would look at me, and that was like a NorCal thing to call something heck bad. And so I tried to cut that out of my vocabulary, okay? So this isn't heck bad, it's mega joy, okay? Like, like the angel is saying, there's good news and it's great joy. Now, I highlight that because uh, in, the, in the Bible, joy comes up a lot. There's a lot of joy in the Bible, um, but there's like just under 10 times, think about this, like there's close to 200 times that joy is mentioned, but, but under 10 when, when it's great joy, mega joy. Two of them are found right here in the Christmas story, the one we just read, the angel saying, I bring you this good news of great joy, mega joy. The, one of the others is in Matthew chapter 2, when Matthew tells about the, the magi that came uh, looking for the child. When they saw the star, Matthew 2.10, it says that they rejoiced exceedingly with mega joy, great joy. So two out of about nine or ten times when it's great joy, it has to do with Jesus coming. I mentioned last week I'm reading this little book by a pastor named David Mathis. His book is called The Christmas We Didn't Expect. It's a great title. It's a great little Advent book. I'd recommend it uh, maybe next year if, if, you're, if it's too late. Um, but let me quote him here. He says this. In the beginning, the God of joy made a world of joys, a creation full of good Altogether, as Genesis says, very good. And we too have tasted his goodness in his world, even on this side of sin's curse. And I would add, even on this side of COVID, right? We taste the joy and the goodness of God in different things. For example, he goes on to write, We have experienced, however meagerly or infrequently, the blessed emotional surges of God-made delights like a kind word, a warm embrace, a team's victory, not tonight, a cool breeze, heat coming from heaters, and good food and drink. We we know normal joys. So that's just a few things. We, We should all be able to think of more. And then he says this, but Christmas is not normal. Christmas, the gospels say, is great joy. Christmas is not normal joy. It's mega joy. It's mega joy. And the angel announces that, that, hey, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of mega joy. And then that leads to the third sweet word here. Uh, this, This good news of great joy will be for all the people. For all the people. Jesus has been born for everyone, for everyone. Again, David Mathis said it really well. He said, it's not just kings and high-ranking officials, but blue-collar shepherds, not just Jews, but Gentiles, black and white, women and men, plumbers and dentists. This good news of great joy is no tribal joy quarantined in Jerusalem, but it's great joy extended to all kinds of people in every place at every time. It's for those who have it all together, which are none of us. And it's for those who don't have it all together, which are all of us. 
So those are the first three things. These sweet words of Christmas. Good news. Great joy for all the people. In verse 11, then, we have the final three. And really, this is the the reason now, the reason for this command to fear not. Okay, so verse 11, the angel says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The reason for the good news of great joy for all peoples is because of sweet baby Jesus, a truly sweet baby, yet unlike any other baby. And I can say that because right here, what the angel does is give three titles to the sweet baby. And again, let let the mystery of this just overwhelm you a little bit. This baby that was just born in Bethlehem, in the same region as these shepherds, the messenger, the angel goes on to say, there's three titles. And the first is the title Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior. This little baby came to save. That's why Joseph was told to name him Matthew. Or, excuse me, in Matthew, why we read that Joseph was told to name him Jesus. Matthew one twenty one says that Mary will bear a son, and you are to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus um, is just a historical, everyday name. Uh, that's the Greek, Jesus, but in, in Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which is Joshua. And in Hebrew, that word means, that name means Yahweh saves. So his name, he's told, is to be God saves. He is Savior. Now, many people in our day don't like the thought of needing to be saved from their sins, which is, which is what he came to do. To, to give his life as a ransom, Jesus would say that, to, to pay the price for our sin that we owe, that we can't pay. Most people in our day don't want to admit that they even sin, right? We, 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 we mess up. But just quickly and, and simply, remember what sin is. Two big ways to think about it. The first is the idea of falling short. God's got a standard, and we all fall short. We, we do. None of us lives up to our own standards of how we ought to live, let alone God's. We, we, we fall short. We maybe try, but, but we fall short. I went on a bike ride this morning, and I had a couple of the kids with me, and we're navigating, and we were on one section that was a little busy, and this truck flew past us, irritated that we were on our bikes, I think, and, and caused him to have to go a little slower, pulled into this parking lot really fast and parked and for about the next five minutes, all I could think about was being Batman. You'll know what that means if you remember my message from a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just wanted to be a vigilante at that point. Like I was aware of when they went in the store, and I was trying to figure out, can I have the kids go do something so I can just like move the mirror in? Just something little. Oh! That, that's not living up to God's standard to forgive and like to, you know, forbear. So we fall short. The other way we sin, the other big way of, of thinking about sin is we, we, we deliberately sin. We, we deliberately say things we ought not to say. We deliberately do things we ought not to do. We, we, we want our way. We, we want what we want. The heart wants what it wants. It delights in what it delights in, and we, we choose to sin. I, I can think of things where I deliberately 
sin. And, and I think you can too. So we need saving. We need sweet baby Jesus. Yahweh saves because we need a savior. The fifth sweet word of Christmas comes in the next title. The angel says, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ. Christ, right? Christ isn't Jesus' last name, okay? It's the Greek form of the word Messiah, which is the anointed one, this, this promised one that uh, is spoken of in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. Um, the early church, they wanted to make sure that people understood that this real person of history, Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy, but who was from Nazareth, who moved back to Nazareth, who grew up there, started his ministry there. He was the Christ. In fact, in the book of Acts, let me just read two verses. This is what the early church was saying and doing. Every day, Acts chapter 5, verse 42, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Like that was a big deal. This guy that they followed, this guy who lived and then gave himself to, to die and then was raised and then was alive and then ascended and that met before 500 or so people that saw him and, and changed their life. He's the Christ. They, they made a point to preach that, to say that. Or the Apostle Paul, much later in Acts chapter 17, verse 3, says that explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead and saying, and this is a quote, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. That was a big part of their message. He wasn't just a rabbi. He was that. He wasn't just this itinerant preacher in his day, although he was that. He wasn't just a miracle worker, although he did miracles. He was the Christ. He is the Christ. He was the one they had been waiting for and he had come in a way that no one expected as a sweet baby. And then finally, the sixth sweet word here is that this one who, who would come, this one that was born in the city of David, is a savior, and he's Christ the Lord. Now, grammatically, the Lord really goes with this idea of Christ, kind of they're together, Christ the Lord, sort of one. But yet, Lord, we... we should understand it as its own title as well. All throughout, especially the New Testament, over and over again, the Lord Jesus. And the word Lord in kind of normal everyday language back then meant leader, meant someone who was in charge. And, and Jesus is that, he was that. But they weren't just saying that. It was Lord, and, and they had an idea that in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, God gave himself to his people the name Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R-D, Yahweh, Lord. And so for the New Testament writers to call Jesus Lord, they, they were calling him God by using that name. One writer says it like this, the astonishing announcement, probably not fully grasped right here by the shepherds, is that this Messiah who has been born as a baby is also the Lord God himself. And so, like many of us, we have to hear things a few times, and who knows if the shepherds absorbed those three titles, but we have them here. Sweet baby Jesus, he is Savior, he is Christ, he's the Lord, he's, he's God. Sweet words of Christmas, from the messenger to the shepherds, 
from the messenger here in the Bible for us this Christmas 2020 to us. Fear not. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, don't be afraid. There's good news of great joy for all people. That includes us some 2,000 years later dealing with what we're dealing with. This good news of great joy for all people is about this baby who is Savior, who is Christ, who is Lord. I want to invite us to come tonight now to this sweet baby Jesus, to these sweet words of Christmas. I want us to think, but but I want us to do more than think. I want us to, to come and adore, like we sang already. Oh, come let us adore him. To come and see what God has done. See, this is history. Now, the angels... The angel announced this to the shepherds. Jesus had just been born. And here we are now some 2,000 years later looking back. And we've been spending these Sundays leading up to today trying to remind ourselves about Advent, about his coming, his first coming especially, but the reminder that he's coming again. But this, this is history. And I'm always struck by the date. We know what year it is, 2020. How many of you have gotten used to writing 2020, not just 20? You're supposed to do that for some reason. They told me so. Everything is 2020, not just a 20, right? We, we are well aware of this year. And I'm always struck, though, because um, even if it's not politically correct to, to call this 2020 AD any longer, which comes from the Latin, the year of our Lord, right? Now we're supposed to call it, B, or call it CE, common era. And even if it's no longer correct to speak of before Jesus as B.C., before Christ, now it's before Common Era. Fine, change those two titles, but notice the the numbers don't change. Before Common Era, there's this time frame set, and here we are, 2020, and that date that the whole world recognizes relates to a baby born who's Savior, who's Christ, who's Lord. Let's, Let's adore him tonight. Let's... Let's come and see what God has done. The birth of sweet baby Jesus, the Savior, Christ the Lord. Not because we deserve it, right? Let's remember that. But this is what God has done. We come and adore Jesus at Christmas. As we sang, born the King of angels. Not because we are always faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Right? That's not true of us all the time at all and maybe this year hardly, but we come and adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Because more often than not, we are faithless. We are joyless. We are defeated ones. And Maybe this year you feel that more than anything. If you do, these six sweet words of Christmas are for you. And maybe you have people in your life that feel faithless and joyless and defeated. Come back just to these two verses. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people that born in the city of David is a Savior, Christ the Lord. Right there in two verses is the sweet words of Jesus, what God has done. Paul Tripp says, history marched toward his birth. The baby's life would march to his death. So all grace would march with life and hope 
into our lives. He's inviting us to fear not this year, the pandemic, the consequences, the ripples, but to come and see what he has done. Hear these sweet words. Meditate on these sweet words. Read them, say them to one another over the next four days and beyond. Let's pray. Let's pray. So God, we come. Sometimes joyless, sometimes defeated, hopeless. But we come to adore Christ the Lord, the Savior. The good news of great joy for all people, including us. So I pray we would do that tonight. I pray we would do that this week leading into Christmas. Help us as individuals, as families. Help us to speak of what you have done to others that need to hear this. But we thank you for this message to shepherds that is a message for us. In Jesus' name.